In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. On this Sunday, the first in May, in which we typically have our first communions, and I always have some special words to address to the children, I nevertheless always have words for you, the faithful, as well. And this year, I thought it was very important to share with you some words on the meaning of the day which we are keeping today, because it is quite understandable if there are some things in your mind which are not entirely clear. We certainly can all reckon that today is the second Sunday after Easter, and so it is typically referred to as Good Shepherd Sunday, because the gospel we normally hear on this Sunday is the gospel of the Good Shepherd. That is, unless there is another high feast day which intervenes. That always would have been the case if, as it's the case this year, the second Sunday after Easter is also May 1st. May 1st has always been kept as a feast day in the Catholic Church. It is the day on which the Apostle Philip, having preached the resurrection throughout the Eastern world, finally imitated his master by dying on the cross in Phrygia, part of the Asian province of the Roman Empire. So important was the memorial of his martyrdom that this would be the date chosen to consecrate the Church of the Holy Apostles in Rome, after the church, after the persecutions had ended in the fourth century. St. Philip's relics were brought triumphantly into the church on that occasion, along with those of his co-laborer, the Apostle James the Less, the brother of Jude. Although James had been martyred in his own see of Jerusalem on another date, the feast of these two apostles would henceforth be kept together. And this is how it would remain from ancient times all the way until the 1950s. You may recall that the Church of the Holy Apostles in Rome is very important for us because that is where the Novena to the Immaculate Conception began to be observed in the 15th century. About that time as well, the Church of the West began to keep the feast of St. Joseph universally on March 19th, fruit of a devotion which had been kindling throughout the Middle Ages. March 19th always falls during Lent. Indeed, Good Friday can never fall earlier than March 20th. The idea then is that March 19th marks the date of Joseph's death, for we know that he did not live to see the death of his foster son on Calvary. Over the course of time, the Christian people began to feel ever more keenly the need to celebrate a feast of St. Joseph outside of Lent, when its solemnity would not be restricted by the fast and other austere rules that governed feasts during Lent. And so the 19th century saw the promulgation of the solemnity of St. Joseph. 
Originally kept on the third Sunday after Easter, it was soon moved to the third Wednesday after Easter, and then even kept with an octave, a full eight days amidst the joys of Easter, during which the Church would honor her patron and protector, no longer awaiting our Savior's harrowing of the realm of the dead, but now reigning gloriously with him in heaven. As devotion to St. Joseph grew during those centuries, so did observance of the month of May in honor of our Blessed Lady. I always think of that whenever I look up the ceiling of our church and I see the Weissentblau, that is the checkered white and blue flag of Bavaria, which you find right in the middle of the church ceiling. It reminds us of our sister church in Munich, the one after which St. Mary's Oratory is modeled in the Restoration, the Blutenberg Kapelle in Blutenberg Castle in Munich. Throughout Bavaria, that most Catholic of all German provinces, throughout that province today is kept what's called Patrona Bavaria, that is, the patron, Our Lady of Bavaria. And that is just one Catholic province that would keep the 1st of May in this way. May Day, it was often simply known, would be kept throughout Christendom as the day upon which Christians would begin their prayers and hymns in honor of the Holy Mother of God. While the faithful seemed unshaken throughout these ages in their joyful childlike faith, the world, nevertheless, was growing old. At the close of the 19th century, the burgeoning international movement of socialism co-opted May Day as their official workers' holiday. And this beautiful day of feasting thus became a worldwide celebration of a godless ideology. This was met with the most lively indignation by the shepherds of the children of God. That great Pope Leo XIII indeed took the greatest pains to remind workers throughout the world that their patron could never be Karl Marx. It must be St. Joseph. That Pope would receive working men in the Vatican with the greatest solemnity, receiving them as popes in former times might have received kings and emperors, wishing to honor them in every way possible and remind them that Holy Mother Church always prayed for workers and always honored their dignity. After these horrific ideologies had resulted in the two worst wars that the church, that the world had ever seen, the Pope who battled the most against those ideologies, Pius XII, decided to go one step further. He decided then that this May Day, which had now become an international socialist workers' holiday, should be, if possible, baptized and turned back into a day of Christian celebration. 
Thus, the ancient Feast of the Apostles was moved to May 11th, and henceforth, from 1955 onward, May 1st would be kept as the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Thus, the solemnity of St. Joseph would be changed in this way, no longer being kept on the third Wednesday after Easter, but being kept now as a feast in honor of St. Joseph, patron of all workers, on the 1st of May. Although we can certainly understand and respect the intentions of that holy pontiff, we must sadly say that the effort to claim this day back for Christians really didn't take. Even if we might say that violent movements in honor of socialism are no longer the norm in Western Europe, although, of course, socialism is very much still alive, the, if you talk to people in Europe today, May 1st corresponds more or less to our Labor Day here in the United States. And if you wish someone a blessed feast of St. Joseph on May 1st, you're likely to be met with nothing more than a blank stare. One final thing which should be mentioned is that a few years ago, the Vatican gave permission for those who celebrate the traditional Latin rite to use on this day of May 1st the Mass of the Solemnity of St. Joseph instead of the more recent Mass of St. Joseph the Worker. That is what we are doing here today, which is why what you find in the bulletin is the text of the Mass of the Solemnity of St. Joseph. It is very likely what you would find anyway in your hand missile, although if you were to look on May 1st, you would of course find the even more ancient feast of Saints Philip and James. While we pray, we continue to pray without ceasing for a full restoration of our ancient and venerable Roman liturgy, today we begin this beautiful month of Mary under the patronage of her most chaste spouse. It is a reminder that we must beg for his protection at every moment, and especially now as we send up all of our fervent prayers throughout this month of May. You all know the work that lies ahead of you. Be absolutely unfailing in the recitation of your rosary throughout this month, certainly at least your five decades every day, or a full rosary if you are able. Join with your families as well in singing hymns in honor of the Holy Mother of God, and most of all, come to church on Saturdays, especially, though, on the first Saturday of this month, and if you have never kept the first Saturdays, let this month be the month on which you finally begin to keep this practice of the five first Saturdays of reparation. We must remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima over a century ago that the conversion of Russia and the triumph of her Immaculate Heart, which, yes, indeed, we hope is very much nigh at hand, will come, yes, by that act of consecration by the Pope, but also through the fervor of Christians who keep the first Saturdays of reparation, of reparation for all the offenses committed throughout our sinful world against the hearts of Jesus and Mary. And do not forget, my dear faithful, to pray especially during this month 
for firm purpose of amendment and for the correction of your own particular faults. I can assure you, if you offer up this intention to Our Lady in your daily rosary, she will not fail to obtain for you the grace to conquer at long last your predominant faults. This was an intention you had, of course, during Lent, but now during this time of joyful celebration, let us place our intentions once more before the Queen of Heaven, whom we honor today through the intercession of St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. <clears throat> Our Lady, Queen of the May, St. Joseph, and all ye holy apostles, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat>